Lace up knives down, get ready for a palette full of colors, and join us as we take a bite out of the Little Apple. I am your host, Katie Weavy. And I am Becky Goff, and this is Little Apple Bites Podcast. Today, we have Jacob Sanderson, a local artist in our community, joining us for our podcast. Welcome, Jacob. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And uh, like we asked all of our guests, we're going to ask you, what makes the Little Apple special to you? Um, well, this probably isn't a conventional answer, but I only judge a place by two things, which is, um, how bad is the traffic? Mm-hmm. And I think the traffic is pretty good here. And I, I really have any complaints cause I come from an area around Atlanta, Georgia. So great comparison. And the second one is probably less podcast happy, but how likely is someone to to bonk me on the head when I leave my house, and it's really low. So <laughs> I feel really comfortable and safe around here, and um, there's a lot of places to go, places to eat, and nonprofits that I really enjoy as well. Yeah. yeah. I think that is probably the most unique answer we've ever been given, yes. and I love it. Yes, absolutely. I think that is something that people probably always judge a town off of is their traffic, but you just don't think about it. But yeah, I definitely yeah. have written off towns or places that I want to go because I'm like, the traffic is terrible here. Yeah. I never want to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then um, there'll be the local groups where someone complains about someone's driving and yeah. I try and <laughs> yes. I try and balance it out by just picking a really good driver. And I'm just like, you know, this guy, I followed him all the way home. There's all his turn signals. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do. You are an artist here. You paint primarily pets, abstract pet pet projects, right? Yes. Um, And the thing about like defining different types of art, like impressionist and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, I've learned it's just one of those things that I agree with whatever the first word is. You know, they say it's abstract or impressionist and I'm not an art scholar, so I don't really know. So I just kind of do what I do. But... Um, yeah, most of what I do is pets. I do pet commissions. I've probably, I want to say like hundreds of pets I've painted and, you know, that doesn't mean an exceptional, it just means an area that I'm exploring into. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I actually answered your question. What was your, what was <laughs> no, the, that's good. Yeah. I just wanted to know a little bit about like what you paint and what you kind of what you do. Lately, I've been actually branching out and... Um, trying to think of art more as a service instead of just me in my little cave at home, just um, pushing small brushes around. Um, so I've been painting people locally lately and going to nonprofits and just kind of snagging some time and uh, painting people, stuff like that. So when you're there and painting those people, I assume that it's not a silent activity. Is there conversation that goes on when you're there and painting? Yes, that's actually my favorite part of it. And um, some artists really are interrupted by speaking. Mm -hmm. But for me, um, painting is such an intuitive task and speaking takes up so much of my brain space that it's almost like, oh, thank you. I don't have to feel the obstruction in my way because I can listen to you and explore our conversation. So, so yeah, and I I really enjoy talking to people and um, it's... And it's really great. And I feel like I paint better sometimes when I talk to people because I can kind of bounce ideas off them and, you know, throughout the conversation. So, 
So during the conversation, does that like information that maybe they're telling you, does that help you with like figuring out like how to make the painting better? I'm not a super good artist person, so I'm not sure exactly how that well, works, to be honest. I, I kind of take a different philosophy towards art type stuff. Okay. And I, I think a lot of people, when they start doing art, they're like, you know, where's the tutorial? Where's the where's the rules? You know, where's the um, how do I make a shadow more shadowy? But I kind of take the approach that I want to grow my uh, kind of creative muscle space. So um, when I talk to people, it's just, I don't know, it's just more about that kind of like raw um, – just kind of feeling through the painting and what color might work, what color won't work. And, you know, and people are pretty disarmed when you're like, Hey, what color do you think would go best here? Because then you're not just like, Oh, I am the expert and everything goes through me. It's, right. um, it just shows that you're really flexible with the process. So, um, but yeah. I think that's cool. I think with most creative outlets like painting, you kind of have to have flexibility. And it's, I think like when I do things like that, like it is about just kind of letting my creativeness out and just letting my energy go somewhere. Yeah. And pardon me. Um, and I think, cause I didn't, not to get too much into the, cause it's not a question you asked. Um, I only started painting in 2018. 18. Um, and I wasn't a creative individual before that. Um, I started welding metal art in 2017 and that's a whole long story. And I bought a Mustang and I chopped it up into cubes and turned it into sculptures of which I've made probably like 30. A lot of them are heads. <laughs> um, and they're much less polite than my paintings, which is an interesting kind of juxtaposition because you have like these bright, fluffy, wonderful dogs and flowers that I do as well. Um, and then you have these sculptures that are just these like heads with their mouths open and they're like roar. So <laughs> that's you bought a car and turned it into multiple pieces of art. Is that what I just heard? Yes. OK, um, just making sure that I was following along properly here. That's so amazing. Well, what happened was, um, is it okay if I get into kind yeah. of a... Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I, I did the army thing. Right. 120 pounds ago. And I, I that, that was okay. That was great. Um, and then I had aspirations to go to K-State. And I went there as a psychology major. Um, but my interest was more so research psychology. So one of the first things I did there my first semester was I started emailing professors and basically challenging their research studies. Um, <laughs> and, of course, I don't know a lot about research or anything because I'm just right out of the Army. I just have a you know passing fancy with that kind of <laughs> knowledge. Right. But I knew there was a lot of students competing for those spaces to work under professors in their research department. So I tried to think of ways to... Um, politely antagonize um, them to differentiate myself from the other emails. 
And uh, I remember one of them was a professor at K-State, and he was doing a research on good and evil and how it's interpreted throughout cultures. And, of course, that's a very, like, qualitative thing to do where you're just like, it's very interpretive. And I sent him an email, and I said, well, this is a very squishy concept, and how can really any hard data come from the research because it's so ambiguous throughout cultures? And um, and I got a meeting with him, and we had a great chat, and, of course, I let him – Proved me horribly wrong, and <laughs> that was um, that was kind of how I got into one lab, and then I got into another lab, and how I started doing the art stuff was um, <laughs> I'd have some mental health stuff happen in the military, and then when I got out, I was pretty much okay-ish, and then I had like a mental break, and it was while I had a grant during the summer, a $2,000 grant um, through a scholarship program to do research. Um, and then my, my precious little noodle in my head just kind of shifted and I ended up with like a permanent sense of anxiety after being hospitalized. And one of the things about psychological research is you can't exactly charm your way through presenting it. So when your brain is not working at that analytical level, you're not super useful. And, and I love public speaking and it was really upsetting that that took it away from me. And the anxiety was so bad that I was losing time and just kind of teleporting around and couldn't really drive and breathe at the same time. So long story short, even though I'm making the long story long, um, <laughs> I did an identity shift. And first I, I switched my major to creative nonfiction because I wanted to pick something you could do when you felt terrible. Okay. So... And it could almost enhance your performance if you write when you feel terrible because it's, you know, people love when creative people suffer. So I'm like, hey, let's let's turn that into a thing. Um, and then I found out writing really wasn't for me um, right, right now because, you know, imagine you're just a 18-year-old kid in the world, which I wasn't. I think I was like 25 or 26. You know, you could be the best writer in the world. But it's so hard to get someone to sit down and say, hey, just give me an hour and a half of your time. This is going to get really good. But then you might have like a celebrity that's, you know, a movie star and, you know, he could barely write at all. And he writes something and, whoa, everyone wants to read it. So that kind of taught me something about writing where I only really want to do it when somebody wants to hear what I have to say. Okay. So, but – um yeah, and then from that I switched to doing art and um, the sculpture thing happened. I was I was really, really depressed and they put me on two medications that have the nickname California Rocket Fuel because it can make someone hypomanic. Okay. And I was essentially hypomanic for a year and I had seen people be manic before that. And a lot of times you wake up and you want to be this and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you want to be that. And I said, as long as I feel this way, I'm going to try and push myself through long-term tasks okay. to kind of use that energy and try to focus it and spent thousands of thousands of credit card dollar money. But, but one of the things I did do was get the car chopped up. So I bought okay. a $500 salvage title. And then what's funny is I bought it in Junction City and then – the girl's father came out and took the battery out after I bought it. So I had to get it towed to the house. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I spent six months chopping it up. <laughs> and I'm not a mechanical guy. So I was using saws and a blowtorch. And 
And my neighbors hated me. Probably still do. Uh, yeah, that sometimes happens. Yeah. All right. So and then, what did you do with these sculptures that you created from the car? Do you still have them? <clears throat> yeah, I do. I have, um, I think I have about six or seven of them. And I actually have a four and a half foot humanoid sculpture that's in front of my house. And we don't have an HOA, so I can get away with it. Oh, there and, you go. Um, <coughs> and I, pardon me, sold a few of them. But it's not a really good sculpture for the area. Um and you can't ship them because they're like 60, 80 pounds. Um, I could show you guys pictures when, <laughs> it, I guess, right now with audio format, I guess people can't see too much. But, um, but yeah, and then somewhere around there, I used part of my GI Bill to go to Manhattan Tech. Okay. And I went to welding school. And that was really boring because it was about pipe welding. And eventually through my exceptional charm, I just let them – let me do what I wanted in my own little cubby, and I was making sculptures and stuff. So. Gotcha. So they were flexible enough to allow you to have that a little bit of creative freedom with what you were doing in class. Well, and I was flexible enough to pay them. So well, I, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, was, it was really nice of them to um, kind of let me do my own thing because I wasn't really using the knowledge to be a traditional welder. So Gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So you've mentioned, you know, not being able to show people through this audio format. Yeah. So is there a place where people can find your artwork online? Like, is that something that's available so people could actually see what you've done? Yeah. So I actually have a private group on Facebook. It started out where I just used it to kind of have one place for all the clients I had to kind of go to. And then it kind of grew. And <laughs> I think it's uh, 60 or 65 percent. Kansas people. So it's a great group, but it's not really about, you know, I guess like the social media thing of, you know, quantity over quality. And it's called uh, Mental and Material Art. Um, recently, I think I had an apple juice at two and I, an apple juice or two, and I put events at the end, but I'm probably going to delete that when they allow me to change the name again. I think I just wanted to convey the idea that today I'm or this year, I'm going to go out and start painting people in person. But Gotcha. Yeah. And you've mentioned, like you said, painting people in person. So where do you do this? Do you just go to, obviously, you're not just going to go into like a retail store. Are you going to like, is there like centers around town that you're going into where people gather? Like, where do you normally, where do you usually go to do some of that artwork? I, I do a lot of it at Be Able which is a nonprofit founded by Scott Vuz. And I was there when, and I did before this, I texted him and I was like, how do you say your last name? And it said, it rhymes with moose. Um, so I think I'm, I think I'm getting it right. But, <laughs> I, think, I think you are, yeah. Um, so I was actually with him when he founded the nonprofit Be Able. Um, and I worked for him for a little bit. But um um, then I found out I'm, I'm just that not, not that nice of a person, but no, I, 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 I spent some time there. It was great. And he's a great guy and he has a fantastic talent for bringing people together that have various talents. Um, so I paint there sometimes they have an art day. It's not always consistent, but it's Tuesdays at one o'clock and <laughs> it started out as art therapy. Um, but I, but yeah, so I showed up there and we would paint people, but, um, 
And I recently I went to Morningstar, which is another nonprofit, and I painted a nice young lady's baby, which I rarely paint babies, but it was really fun. And I'm actually going to stop by this Saturday and paint the mom. So, oh, nice. so that'll be great. And um, of course, doing that for free. And um, eventually, I'd like to find out some way of kind of getting it funded, so <clears throat> I can kind of keep doing that continuously. And I. I have aspirations of we have a lot of senior citizens locally and I think it's pretty common for when people get kind of older in age to form like really exceptionally strong bonds to their pets. So I'm thinking something where they could be visited, spoken to and maybe hold their little pet and there's that kind of sense of interaction and um, yeah. And then they get a painting and um, it'll be like a two, two and a half, three hour commitment and, should be able to get knocked out. That's a really cool idea. Because I know yeah. there are a lot of people that end up having to move into assistive care and not able to bring that pet with them. And Yeah, and I think part of the reason I paint kind of like as colorful and as happy as I do is internally I'm quite the grump. But there's this like transitional process where like if you're giving something to someone you don't want them to feel worse off after having gotten it so i think that really influences um how i paint and one lady specifically that i gave a painting really affected me it was like three years ago or so and i did a free painting i try and do like a free painting a month even though i have commissions and such um and I paint her dog and I sent it to her. And like every few months, she just tells me how she loves waking up and seeing the dog because she had such an attachment. She was a retired teacher and she was taking care of her kids as well. And every morning she would walk and collect cans for her dog's cancer treatments. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And I was just like, oh, man, why does this hit me so hard? <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and just like the – such dedication like I think when I was talking to her her dog was still alive and she would like pick it up and take it outside to go to the bathroom and and you know she's not a spry chicken anymore and she's doing all this labor and just like intensive love towards her animal and I think still today it's her Facebook profile picture like three years later so <laughs> um so things like that definitely affect me yeah I would be interested to know uh, with your art, I read somewhere that, like you said, you paint until you're done. Have you ever, like, you don't start a painting and then, like, stop and pick it up later? Well, nowadays I do. Okay. I do stop. But when I was starting out, I just had this <laughs> feeling that you just need to get it out there and then just, you know, just kind of not look at it. Um, and I think when I look back on it, that was just kind of like an emotional coping thing. Because, okay. um... Because you can always have the excuse, you know, I I only spent two hours on it, you know. I only, but now when you keep revisiting it, it's going to be a better quality product and you won't burden yourself with that excuse of saying, oh, it was just something I did real quick or, you know. And I'm sure we've all done that before with something mm -hmm. we've cooked or something or made or, you know, oh, it's just real quick. Just put this together. But yeah, so... How, so then how long would you say you've sat down and actually worked on a piece before? <coughs> the, the longest you yeah. mean? Or? Yeah, like yeah. what would be like the longest, like, con like yeah. consecutive time? Like oh, consecutive. Yeah. Um, so 
at home by myself, I can, um, I think four or five hours is consecutive. And some of those paintings I'll end up spending like eight or nine hours on. Um, but in public, I found out that my um, social maximum is three hours okay. of painting consecutively and talking to people. Because after that, my face stops working. And I can't use my smile muscles anymore. Mm-hmm. Ah. And believe it or not, it's pretty <laughs> fundamental to conversation. So, because, yeah. um, so yeah, so I just I dip out around that time. But something I forgot to mention, um, I was super agoraphobic for three years. So I I pretty much stayed in my house, and it was so severe that like all my lights burn out in my house, and and then I went from like twenty twenty vision to like not really being able to see because I was looking at everything close up for three years. Um, and I noticed it was bad when I had a, I have one friend that would come over and he came over and we went out at night to, um, Taco Bell. And I was like, Oh, you're supposed to be able to read the sign. And like the whole sign was a blur. Um, and I traveled the wrong way a little bit, but <clears throat> so, so going from that level of agoraphobia to like getting out of the house and starting to socialize again is definitely like a gradual process. Um, and remind us what agoraphobia. Oh, agoraphobia. It's, it's a really, um, I, I've gotten a great sampler of a different types of mental issues. And in some way I'm like, Oh, you're so blessed. Look at you. So much empathy. <laughs> um, but it is a derivative of a panic disorder and how I described it is, Basically, you have a panic disorder, and then some people, they're like, you know what? I'm panicking. I'm going to work. I'm getting this stuff done anyways. But I think agoraphobia is like, you know what? I'm just not going to move, and I'm going to reduce the stimuli so much that I am as safe as possible. Um, <laughs> a lot of fascinating things start to happen when you do that, like your consciousness, your your thoughts get like really, really small, and time – like I would have people text me like on Monday in October and I would answer them Tuesday of December and it would feel like a week, you know, or like a few days. Mm. Um, but describing agoraphobia is really hard because it's not, it's not super conceptual. So how I described it was, you know, um, in two ways, it's kind of like having a, a leash on you, like even two feet from your house, you just feel something pulling on you. And then the further you get geographically, the tighter that feels. And it affects your ability to read things in your environment. And you're just like, get me back in that place. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a really silly thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's hard to describe a negative. So how do you describe not feeling or understanding a thing? So um, like if someone went to my house back then and was like, hey, I'll give you $10 million to go on vacation. And I'd be like, well, let's dig a basement, you know, because you just you're not safe anywhere else. And the money or the people, there's nothing that'll bring you out of that. So. So, yeah. Gotcha. So then now this artwork, has this, you know, has this been part of your, I guess, I don't know if healing process is the right way to put it, but has this been, you know, something that has been helping you with some of the, you know, you've mentioned like mental health type issues that you've had in the past? Definitely. It's, um, it's really the only consistent thing because 
I have extremely low social needs, so I'm, I'm not going to leave the house to make a best buddy and figure out a really cool handshake with someone. So if it's through the filter of art, then I have a reason to go outside. And then um, I think when I first started getting outside the um, <coughs> agoraphobic thing that was so strong, I started to visit local businesses and try and get some paintings in there. And uh, Tiffany at Therapy was the first business that was like, hey, you know, we can put some paintings up. And she was extremely helpful. And I painted a puppy with a pie, which was one of my favorite paintings, um, still is. And it was great. It just started to get my mind working again and saying, you know, you might not be able to exist in all these other areas. I got far from the mic. Hopefully that doesn't... Um, you might not be able to exist in all these other areas, but now through this format, you can get yourself out of the house. You can start to develop these connections. And it was really awkward talking to people after all that time because, you know, your social skills uh, just like degrade and you can't pick up the face stuff. You can't pick up the body stuff. And you're always worried you're um, over talking or under talking or, um, but yeah. Like right now, I, I'm, I could I could be guilty of over-talking. So. <laughs> you are never guilty of over-talking on a podcast. Oh. Especially not with the two of us. <laughs> no. No, yeah, we had one episode where I think our interview almost took an entire hour yeah. or longer. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you know. we're definitely, we definitely help with the talking for sure. Yeah. And then, of course, then there's the me having the the blank spot in my brain trying to remember where I'm at and figuring out what questions we haven't actually discussed. <laughs> Another thing about the agoraphobia, and I love to explain this because it's, because mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, I was, I was in the military, I was all fit and doing cartwheels or whatever people do, but the anxiety got so bad with the agoraphobia that I picked up a pretty consistent apple juice habit. And then I, I um, after probably like four years, I gained a hundred plus pounds just from not moving whatsoever and lots and lots of apple juice, which can be found at beer goggles. So (laughs) (laughs) kind of wondered if maybe apple juice was code word for a different type of beverage. Yeah. 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 Well, I am glad that you are so open about talking about your mental health experience because I think that mental health is obviously something that everyone deals with in different ways. But, um, I think it's so important to be honest and open about it. And I would love to know like how you got to this point of being so open and honest about your mental health and your struggles and how that's kind of shaped you as a person and as a painter. Great. Yeah. I am. It really wasn't a struggle for me being open Mm -hmm. because I think fundamentally my kind of, uh, format of how I think is different in terms of, Like when I enter a room, you know, I don't mind like being the person with the problem because sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're the person with the problem, you calm the whole room down. And there's this very interesting kind of social thing that happens. And I loved it at K-State where, you know, you'd have all these really smart kids that are like 18, 19 years old and they're all afraid to speak because, you know, the professor's there or something. And all I had to do was say something really dumb. 
And then everyone was like, oh, gosh, well, I got to correct this kid. And like it, it gets the conversation flowing and it gets the day moving along. So for me, like saying I have this issue, um, for one, it, it just it feels like a good disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was, um, <laughs> of course, young and doing uh, cartwheels, like I told you about, I think I made a dating profile back when I was doing such things. And the beginning of it, I had a friend read it and it was all like bad things. And I was <laughs> like, and I, and then they were like, what are you doing? You got to sell yourself. And I'm like, well, I just want a good disclaimer before I get to anything good. So you put um, all, all the things out there of, hey, just so you know, here's all the things that you might find to be negatives about me or what? Yes. Well, okay. it was, I think some of it was like, uh, like, mental health stuff and but I tried not to make it like a list I'm just like um you know I just wanted to make sure because I feel guilty about lots of things I I remember one of the saddest moments when I I I didn't have any mental health issues whatsoever before the age of like 25 um and I developed a panic disorder around like 26 or something and I remember one of the saddest moments for me was I was at the vet with my cat and the cat was in the little carrier and she absolutely hates to go places. Um, and I adopted my cat, not cause I liked her cause she liked me. I just saw this like kid at PetSmart poking her and I was like, Oh, I don't like that. And, uh, <laughs> so I ended up adopting her, but we were <laughs> at the animal hospital, uh, the one by the police station. Um, mm-hmm. and, I was sitting there just like shivering because I was outside with my cat and I was like on the verge of like a panic attack and like trying to breathe and stuff. And then I saw this guy in this military uniform with like his German shepherd outside and he's like throwing it around with the, you know, the tug of war and he's like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I, I used to, I used to be that. Now I'm just like here shivering with my cat. And it was this really kind of, uh, I guess longitudinal look at my life where I was like, that's where we were and this is where we are. And, <clears throat> you know, it's, it would be very silly of me to have the incongruence to try and present myself as who I used to be because, you know, then I would feel terrible all the time because, you know, this behavior would be ex- expected and I just can't do it. So, right. um, so yeah. So I just, my brain is kind of all over the place. And I remembered earlier, you mentioned that you do artwork for commission or commissioned artwork. Yes. Um, and we didn't really get into that. And I just realized that I didn't write that down. So can you tell us a little bit about like your commissioned artwork? Like how did you get into that? Is that something that's started since you did the the pet paintings? Like how did that get started? Well, I realized in order to create the identity of artist, I needed to create an incentive structure and money tends to be pretty incentivizing. So the first thing I ever did for money was I think in 2017 or 2018. And I <clears throat> advertised uh, 11 by 12 inch um, paper portraits of your pets. And I was selling them for $8. Um because I knew I was terrible. That's the that's the great thing about starting is you already know you're terrible, so no one can tell you anything you haven't told yourself. Okay. Um, 
And for some reason, the Facebook algorithm picked it up and I ended up getting like 60 orders. And <laughs> so here I was like just starting out. And the funny thing is like for some of them, like shipping was pretty much making the painting free. But I knew for this identity, I had to do this and I had to knock out every painting. Um, yeah. And then through that process, I just started to kind of <laughs> build my confidence and increase my prices when my skill would increase. And, you know, um, I think from that size, it went to, or I kept that size and then I got better <clears throat> and it ended up being like a you know, $15. And then I moved up to a 16 by 20 inch canvases, which, um, I could buy cheap in a pack and I would end up selling those for $30, but I got a really cheap pack. So, and I would also charge for shipping and then it went to 60 and then it went to 80 and then it went to like 120. And then now I typically do 16 by 20 inch pet portraits for like 160 um, or 150. So, yeah. Um, and this December, I got kind of like a rush order. I had seven paintings for one client to do, and then I had one painting for, um, it was a secret painting. Um, oh. I'm not sure if you've heard of her. Her name's Sherry LaGrange. Um, she's a psychotherapist and her husband is a local German chef yes. and her husband <laughs> ordered the painting in secret. And <laughs> so, and it was a larger painting and, um, so, uh, different pricing model and stuff. And I did both of her cats and like, a like a flower that is Van Gogh-esque. Um, so yeah, and she, she really loved it and. Um, I got to eat at their restaurant for free. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because that's up in the town of Riley, correct? Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking that I remembered that's where I recognize the name from. So. It is such an interesting area. I, you know, the only thing about it is my cell phone doesn't work. So, yes. Um, but, <laughs> yep. But, but yeah. So, no, I've done tons of commissions. For some reason, I've I've painted for five therapists and psychologists. So, and I don't know, like, I just don't think there's that many in the population, but I, I did a painting for a psychotherapist at Fort Riley and then a local, um, instructor at K-State. Her name's Natalie. She does gifts by Natalie, I believe. Hopefully I don't get that name wrong. Um, and then Sherry, of course, and, um, another local uh, therapist that just opened up a, um, a private practice close by Jessica. I don't remember her last name. So, so yeah, I love commissions, but this year I'm really focusing on, um, kind of getting out the door and talking to people and painting them in person. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, I know that that's your main focus is trying to get out there and see people and paint people. Uh, do you, are you still doing commissions and yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I still have some of that kind of, um, chaotic natures. Like once I get an idea in my head, but, um, every now and then I'm like, wow, we're running real low on apple juice. And, you know, uh, I definitely love taking commissions and, um, 
I think this year they're going to be kind of uh, like I'll need like a little bit of time to to get some of them done. Um, and I'm trying to get, I guess, better at painting people. Um, so I want to do more of that as well. Um, so <laughs> pardon me. Um, yeah. So we mentioned earlier about the Facebook group that you have is that really the only way for people to like get a hold of you if they were interested in in your paintings or are, do you have a website or anything like that that you've started with this or my email is mental and material art at gmail.com so i could be messaged there or you could find me on facebook under jacob sanderson um i won't friend you because i just like to wake up and say things sometimes and <laughs> uh and it'll just be like um, I'm trying to remember what I said recently. Yeah, sometimes I just think of common phrases like "today is going to be the best day of your life," and then I'll just think of it in a rearranged order and just say something like, um, "Today is going to be the day that you um, tomato." I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly what I say, but but yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, so they can email you, and that that's mental and material art, and that's all spelled out, correct? Yes, okay. um, at gmail.com. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm just thinking there might be some people that listen to you or listen to this podcast and maybe are interested in commissioning you for artwork, and that way they know the best way to reach out to you and be able yes. to I, do that. I need to – I got a website down before, but I – you know, sometimes when you do like the free sites, everything gets like weird and confusing. And, right. Um, but yeah, I do need a place to kind of have a portfolio. That'll be good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you think we didn't cover that maybe people in Manhattan might want to know or just anything you wanted to touch on? Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that we do have a ton of local artists here and I think a lot of what those artists are missing is the socialization process because you have people with um, lots of skill and just um, especially a lot of female artists that, you know, when I first started doing art, you, sometimes you think it's like male dominated. But in my experience, there's more women than men doing art. And but due to all these like complex things and imposter syndrome that sometimes creeps up and inhibits the socialization process um it they just don't get out there and there's a, some exceptionally skilled people so i think you know if you know an artist uh give them a good old pat on the back and say all right we're gonna go outside now and <laughs> you know there are lots of local businesses that are accepting arts uh to put up for percentages or just to put up to sell you know and all sorts of stuff like that and i recommend them just kind of get out there and get more exposure and um, then you'll be a, a really happy artist like I am every day. I'm super happy. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Of Learned course. a lot. and Yep. And make sure you go check out Mental and Material Art on Facebook. And uh, don't forget, if you are wanting a commission, you can email him at mentalandmaterialart at gmail.com. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, Becky, 
tell us what is going on this week. Well, first off, I just want to say thanks again to Jacob for joining us on this week's podcast. Learned a lot about him and just kind of a different idea of what art can really be. And just kind of, you know, you never know where you might find that creative part of yourself. So just kind of something cool to kind of learn myself for myself, you know? Yeah. And what a great outlet for uh, your creativity and uh, everything else just to go out into the community and paint people and paint pets. And I know that those people really appreciate that. And it's a great outlet for your energy. So definitely. Thank you, Jacob, for sharing that with us. Yes, absolutely. Well, coming up, Katie, I'm going through the list of what all we've got going on with the cold weather. It's kind of having having an effect on different events that are available. So I will kind of give a disclaimer. I know that um, last week the downtown farmer's market did cancel because of the frigid temperatures. So we'll see if tomorrow holds out or not. Hopefully yeah. it holds out and you can, you know, we can still venture down, get those fruits and vegetables, the other, you know, yeah, homemade I know that goods, we're all supposed to be getting a little bit more snow, RIP, yeah. but hopefully it holds off and stays warm enough that you can have that farmer's market. Uh, but if there are any closings, uh, littleapplepost.com and JC Post have been posting all of those closings and delays. Becky's been working very hard to make sure that everything that is closed or delayed start, it yes. has been posted on Little Apple Post, and you can find all that information out there. Yep. If there's any kind of closings, yeah, those those will definitely be posted if I'm notified of them. So definitely let me know if you know of anything. So, But then also on Saturday, um, our friends out at A&H Farms will be offering authentic Puerto Rican cuisine. Mm. So um, Andrea came in and spoke with us on one of our earlier episodes. Yep. And we learned a lot about A&H Farms. Well, um, as the Facebook post that I found says, the H of A&H Farms is from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So um, Andrea has asked her sister-in-law and her niece to help with making some authentic Puerto Rican cuisine to have available for anyone that visits out there. You can buy a meal with, you know authentic dishes there's going to be desserts and drinks that are also out there available too and then always you know everything they usually have out there yeah it sounds absolutely delicious so definitely check that out they're going to be out there selling those from 11 a.m to 4 p.m so if you're not doing anything saturday afternoon check out a&h farms and get a nice lunch going Um, And also Saturday, the K-State women's basketball team is going to host KU at 1 o'clock in Bramblage. So good luck to the women. Uh, They've been playing extremely well this year. I've gotten the pleasure to see them a couple times, and they are an absolute treat to watch. So definitely definitely go check out that K-State-KU rival game. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then on Saturday evening, the men's team is Mm -hmm. also at home, and they have Oklahoma State coming in, and their tip-off is at 7 p.m., so definitely that's another good one to watch, because they've had a lot of success this year, and they've they've had some, like, overtime games that are just kind of those nail-biter, like... Yeah. I went to the Baylor game uh, a couple days ago, and... They are on fire right now. I think that I think it'll be a good game to watch. So yeah. head to Bramlage at 1 p.m. for the women's game and 7 p.m. for the men's game. And uh, 
also on Saturday, lots of things happening tomorrow. Definitely, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the newest temporary exhibit at the Flint Hills Discovery Center opens. They are hosting a Thomas Edison Secret Lab. Yes. So Thomas Edison's Secret Lab arrived and has been set up, and it features science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM, learning opportunities. And there are just some unique hands-on experiences that you can take your kids, and they'll learn more, be able to be engaged, and just be they'll able- be able to learn more about um different things within those topics and um, that's going to be available through May 5th. So if you're not available to go on Saturday, there is still a plenty of time to take yeah. those kids to go and see that exhibit. So, yep, they do a good job and they keep their exhibits open for a long time. So you got time to go to the game and then maybe check it out tomorrow or on Sunday or uh, the next following weeks. So, definitely. And then also coming up this week, Katie, there are several opportunities to donate mm-hmm. blood. Um, I know that there has been a lot of kind of information out there where, you know, there are blood shortages yep. and everything. So definitely if you are able to donate blood and would like to, there are multiple opportunities coming up this week. Some at K-State, some at some other locations here in Manhattan. The best way to find when there's an appointment available that fits with your schedule is to go to redcrossblood.org and then just type in the Manhattan zip code and it will show you all the available appointments here in our area for the next week or so. Yeah, there's actually, there's a multiple days as well that you can go. It's not just uh, a Monday or, you know, whatever. So they have multiple uh, times throughout the week. So check that out if you're wanting to donate some blood. I know that they would really appreciate that. Yes. Uh, then the following Saturday, Saturday, January 27th, uh, K-State Women are going to host BYU again here in Bramlage. And that tip-off is at 4 p.m. Again, probably going to be a good conference game. Yes, definitely. And then the men are on the road until uh, after this Saturday on the road, and they'll be back in Bramlage on Tuesday, January 30th, mm-hmm. and they will have Oklahoma will come to town, and tip-off for that is going to be at 7 p.m. Yep. That's going to be another good game. I feel like that one's going to be another one of those that could go either way, but hopefully, you know, hopefully the Wildcats continue to do what they're doing and... Yeah, bring out the win and yeah, they've been playing really good. It's really exciting to watch them. Bramlage is an amazing atmosphere, so yes, definitely, definitely be cheering them on. And I think that that is all the news that we have coming up the next couple of weeks. Yes, that's about all that I found. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. other things going on, but with the cold weather, a lot of places, um, you know, they kind of slow down their events for this time of yep. year. And, you know, they'll start ramping back up as the weather gets nicer. Yes. So continue to stay warm. And until our next podcast episode in two weeks, we are going to have G. Thomas Jewelers on, which I'm very excited about. Yes. So we're going to have Bobby French in from G. Thomas Jewelers. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to learn all about G. Thomas Jewelers, the history here in Manhattan. And then also we might pick her brain on what she's got available if you're looking to buy your loved one something new for Mm -hmm. the month of February and maybe that Valentine's Day gift thing. Yeah, it may seem a little bit early being the 19th of January, but (laughs) February Valentine's Day is coming up very quickly. Absolutely. Uh, So definitely be looking out for that podcast in a couple weeks. 
And just remember that a locally grown apple a day keeps our community unique in every way. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye.